0: flashes it away, through the covers for four, and England have won the match.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. After the second day's play at Lords, South Africa very much on top. No two ways about it. They've played the cricket over the first two days. Maybe you could say they had the best of conditions, nice bowling conditions on the first day... Much better batting conditions on the second day. But my goodness, haven't they capitalised on it in both senses and now have a lead of 124. Fantastic performance and very much, I suppose, top of the table performance, Simon.
0: Yeah they've they've done really well in this test match haven't they they've they did what they needed to do with the ball on the first day and the second day actually they they polished England off last four wickets for 49 and they i think have shown that grit that we expected from them not least at the top of the order i mean Dean Elgar and Surrell Irvia are not the most sort of glamorous, the most attractive batters uh, to watch. But my goodness, they did a really good job uh, for their side uh, today. Uh, opening stand of 85, and Irvia making 73 from 146 balls. He hit six fours. Again, yeah, yeah, not not particularly flashy, but mighty effective. And actually, you, you could argue, I suppose, that you know it it just shows that there are more more. There's more than one way to approach opening the batting in test match cricket. It's not all about you know, going after your shots. And they showed sort of the other way, really the really orthodox way, the conventional way. And it's given South Africa the base to build a really strong position in this test match.
2: And it just shows the value, doesn't it, of determined opening stands, which England have seen very little of. And uh, that stand, as you say, eighty odd for, for the first wicket between the, the South African left-handers, determined, gritty, dogged, but also played their shots in the end. And uh, both batsmen finding the boundary square the wicket particularly. And I'm um, just, uh, I, th- I think they did have a bit of luck, didn't they, early on? They played and missed a few times, and there were one or two. There was a close shave when one ball grazed Dean was back leg and was given out hope, uh, caught behind, or uh, yeah, and he reviewed it immediately. and and of course it was just the umpire thinking he'd he'd edged it and it was a a back leg glance instead, and rightly he was reprieved, but they just showed such excellent application, and I I guess England just lacked that cutting edge in the end, Uh, Potts wasn't quite on his game Uh, there could be a slight accusation there of out of practice, rustiness, I suppose because he hasn't bowled much in the last three weeks, this is the the sort of a lunacy of the county schedule, which stages two test matches in the middle of the 100, so that the, the, the domestic players haven't had much batting or bowling in the middle, except in four over spells, uh, really leading into this test match. And it, it does seem a bit crazy, really. I don't think that's the only reason that, that England didn't bowl so well. I think the pitch probably played a bit flatter too. And the batting was, was superbly obdurate.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing you could uh, put against that though, is someone like Kigisa Rabada has not had a great deal of cricket, has he? They're coming to this t- Test match series, he played a little bit in the one-day series in the, in the story in the short format. He played a, a, a T20 game and then was injured. And the they, they, they backup staff, support staff, medical staff managed to get him on the field for the game. He picks up five wickets and he's on the honors board. And you know, great day for him. One one he, which he you know, he says you know he's been sort of. Uh, so sort of looking forward to all his life you know a real goal of his to get on the honours board at, at lord so you know there's you know there's the other side of the coin but what you could argue of course is that he had better bowling conditions in which to operate especially on that first day but I mean, it is a it is a you know, potential issue isn't it you know coming to this test match you you think of you know jimmy and Stuart, uh, Stuart broad you know not have not bowled in the middle for 43, 44 days.
2: I mean, that that isn't easy, but they're experienced and they know their game. I was actually thinking more about Matthew Potts, who is mm. a young bowler and obviously bowled superbly in the four tests earlier in the summer. And, you know, that's on the back of a lot of excellent bowling county championship cricket. You get a rhythm as a bowler and you just want to keep going. And then you suddenly stop or you bowl... One over spells in the hundred, or we shouldn't even call it. Well, they're starting to call them sets now, aren't they, in the hundred? Five That's balls right. set. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, it's just not, you can't get into a rhythm as a bowler or a batsman. And so I think if you know your game, and, you know, Broad and Anderson do, they don't need match practice so much. Though I think it helps everyone. But Potts definitely just wasn't quite on the game today as he was a couple of months ago. And that has to be part of the reason.
0: Yeah, his first spell was six overs for 36. And it was a bit scattergun. You know, it was, it was all, all over the place. and He did come back and, and bowl much better uh, later. 16 overs, one made one for sixty-seven. Yeah, you know, He went over four and over. And you, you'd probably say it was his most disappointing day uh, with the ball as an England cricketer. I mean, obviously, relatively small uh, sample size, is his is fifth test match. And it, it just took I took the pressure off South Africa. And, of course, when you're get a, when you bundled out for 165, there's not much room for manoeuvre, is there, as a, a fielding side? And you're striving a bit for wickets. And South Africa you know, dug in. And they, at one stage, they were 160 for two. I mean, they looked in a really powerful position. They were threatening. You think, oh, yeah, 150, probably even 200 lead. And then the fight back came from England, inspired by Ben Stokes, and then the, uh, another counter-attack from South Africa later in the day, which means they probably will get that lead of 150-plus. The new ball is not far away. It's only three overs away. But they've still got three wickets left in which to in- increase the lead, 124. It's amazing, Yoz, isn't it? You know, England have been in some really tough situations this summer in, in all four test matches they played. And actually, you look, you look at the situations they've been in all four games, you think... No way they can win from here. So, so what about the situation they find themselves in after two days? I mean, it, it, you'd be sort of foolish in a way to, to to write them off. But I don't know. You, I, I just think there seems to me to be enough in this surface still. There was still enough there today. The ball swung a bit. It did. It did nip. You got the slope Ooh. to work with. There's enough for South Africa's bowlers tomorrow and for Maharaj as well, the, the, the left-arm spinner we didn't see in the first innings. there's enough for them to work with in that England second innings, especially with a lead of you know 150-plus behind them. Yeah, a couple of things to say. Uh, firstly, that, that you're absolutely right,
2: uh, there is still plenty in the pitch. And I think if we think back to that New Zealand Test Series, which uh, most of those games were... In the balance before England seized the initiative, but England were playing, uh, especially in the the, the latter two tests, against a weakened New Zealand bowling attack, lacking their the, the, one of their emerging spearheads, Kyle Jameson, who was injured, and also yeah. Colin de Grandome, who was a sort of key man in the in the all rounder kind of category. So they were really weakened, and therefore Trent Bolt and Tim Southey had to do a huge amount of the work, and that's that's when. The, uh, the English batsmen sort of took, took them apart. The other thing to say is that the, the way pitches are playing at the moment, <laughs> they seem to be getting better rather than, the, than worse. And th- this certainly happened a couple of times in the New Zealand series where teams got bowled out cheaply in the first innings and suddenly, you know, absolutely filled their boots, the batsmen in the second innings, or certainly the England batsmen did. And I think they have to cling on to that hope that they can minimise the, or at least do damage limitation on the South African lead, which at the moment is 124, but only three wickets left. So if they can get them out for a lead of 150, say, then I do believe that is sort of manageable, but factor in that uh, against the South African bowling attack, which is much superior to the Mm -hmm. New Zealand one, and yeah, England are in trouble.
0: What about the the surface, Jos? I mean, one thing that was, you know, I thought was really interesting today is you think, oh, second-day pitch, Lord's you know, probably not going to turn. Jack Leach came on after 41 overs. The score was 139 for two. And he actually got the ball to turn straight away. He got a couple to turn, possibly from some rough, into the left-hander. And then he got the right-hander on strike, and he ripped two or three... Uh, past the outside edge, you know, there was there was definitely something there for him early on. I thought the curious thing was, I mean, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, you 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 try and explain it, uh, why. It turned early on for him, and then it just—it seemed to actually stop turning. It, you know, he he did get a few to go early on. He got the wicket of of Markram as well. There were a couple of rippers, weren't there? And mm. then it 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 sort of, it it almost died down as if someone had so sort of gone on transplanted the pitch and put you know a completely different surface out there. Leach ending up with fourteen overs, three maidens, uh, one for forty-two. How how, how did you see, how do you see that?
2: Well, I think that it, it does happen often because of the hardness of the ball, which. Uh, you know, initially, I know he only came on in the 40th over or so, but it was still there's a bit of hardness in the ball, whereas 10 overs later, it's getting softer, especially the seam. is getting softer, so that might be one explanation. And the other explanation would be that actually bowling is a funny thing, and often when you first start off in a spell as a fast bowler, a seamer or a spinner, the ball's coming out of your hand beautifully and you know, angling away, swinging away. Gradually, as your body gets a bit more tired, if you like, uh, and you start being a bit lazy with your action and you don't perhaps follow through quite as vigorously or you don't, your head just falls away fractionally or something, some tiny thing just affects the way you release the ball. And leech has a bit of a tendency to undercut sometimes, which means the ball slides on rather than gripping and spinning. Uh, so it, it may just be that. Uh, it might it might be luck of the draw that he happened to land the ball on a couple of bits where the the pitch turned, but I would suggest it was maybe more due to a combination of the ball getting a bit softer and his action maybe not being quite as robust
0: towards the middle of his spell as it was at the start. Do you think the ball will spin a lot as the game goes on? Do you think it'll spin, you know, spin more? I mean, it has been very dry in London. Yeah,
2: I, I think it will. Uh, I mean, there's not massive footmarks yet, but they've only had a day and a half's play. So I think I think it will. It depends how long the game goes, doesn't it? You're, yeah. you're rather predicting that, that England might. You you're saying
0: game could end tomorrow. Well, it's not impossible, is it? You can mm. you can see a scenario where the game or a game could almost be done tomorrow. I mean, South Africa already got a lead of 124. If they were to score another 30 or 40 for the last three wickets, and the, and the way Marco Janssen was striking it uh, in that last three quarters of an hour, you know, you you think. Yeah, it could be a you know dangerous few overs in store for England tomorrow. They do have the new ball. I think that's one thing you'd say that was in their favour. The new ball is only. Uh, Three overs away, as I mentioned earlier. So, you know, that that gives you a a possibility. But it it also means you can leak runs as well. You get a lead of one, you know, you say lead of 150 is manageable. Yes, it could be. Uh, You you know, back well, you know, pitch does flatten out, sunny day again tomorrow. I mean, the other side of the coin is, you know, 150 lead is a big lead in any cricket match, isn't it? And, you know, it's not, the pressure is on. And so it, it may, you know, and South Africa do have that strength. I, I, and I think Maharaj might be a factor as well. I mean, one, one thing that would be interesting is how they play him. I mean, I presume that they will try and take him on in, in the same way the Lions did down at Canterbury in the, in the warm-up game where he went 1-169. But he's quite a canny operator, Maharaj. You know, he's, he's played 40-odd test matches. And, God, goodness me, he batted well tonight as well, didn't he, coming in at, at number eight? He did. He surprised yeah. me. I thought...
2: With Janssen coming in at six and Marais coming in at eight, I thought, hmm, you know, that's that's vulnerable. That's not quite mm. the tail, but it's close to it. But they they both played extremely well. Here's a thing, by the way, um, you know, you're thinking of uh, South Africa and their reserves and their strength and depth and so on. Uh, Marco Janssen, who's Jansen who's come in, you know, recently into their test team, already a, a fantastic record. And guess what? I was with uh, Graham Smith, the former South African captain, today. Chatting away about other South African talent, he said, "His twin brother's not bad, uh, and he's he's got a twin <laughs> brother called Dwayne, who's also left arm quick and bats. Uh, both 22 years old, of course, twins, and uh, played about 14 first class games, taken a, quite a few wickets and scored a few runs already. He's another one in the wings. Apparently, he's almost identical in terms of height and and the way he plays. So there's um there's a lot lot of, lot of ability in this." south africa team especially in in the bowling department also i spent a bit of time with Boykes today jeffrey and he was slightly scathing about their batting ability uh, understandably and he does watch them a lot because of course he has a a winter house mm-hmm. in in pal in south africa so he spends a lot of time studying the south african players but they they played about they played about themselves today i think
0: The tone was set at the top by Elgar and Avia. England were you know, desperate for those early wickets before lunch. And they just settled everything down. I thought they didn't look in too much trouble in the, in that 12-over spell, uh, b- before the break, and I, I felt this in the afternoon. England did look a bit more of a threat, and, and perhaps South Africa had a bit of luck. And you might need a bit of luck in these conditions on this Lord's pitch, first time here for for most of the players. And you know, Anderson, Broad, Potts, whatever, Stokes, doing something swinging the ball, getting the ball to, you know, come down the slope. You've got to line it all up, all, all the the usual things that you have to come up with at, at Lords. Uh, but, you know, they, they were, you look at the South African card, a lot of, lot got in and they all got into double figures. There were, there were a few sort of, sort of minor failures, weren't Markham 16, Van der Dusen 19, uh, Verena 11. But they sort of all played their part, they sort of chipped in a bit, didn't they? Little partnerships, just built the score and... That partnership between uh, Janssen and Maharaj just took the game away from England towards the end. What, what about England's tactics? They they have this plan, don't they, where they put you know six men back on the leg side, and they have they had no one. state had no one in front of square on the off side, and you, you you know you could a couple of wickets came that way. But Stokes' brilliant delivery to, to bounce out. Fear. and then he got Maharaj swinging as well late on, caught by Potts at, at mid-wicket. Uh, it, I think it's presumably it's going to be a tactic that we see quite a lot from from England when they they feel it's not going their way. But one thing I would say is when Maharaj came in, they they went to this tactic straight away. Is it not worth something orthodox to start with a number eight batter? You know, three slips, pitch it a bit fuller, see if you can nick him off early on. I mean, they went straight to that short pitch. Bowling tactic, and he, he resisted. He got in. He, he, you know, he got his eye in, and then gradually. I mean, he played some beautiful shots, uh, in, sort of in the late evening, especially you know, crashing Jimmy Anderson th- through the offside, for example. No,
2: I, I agree with you. I, it was Graham Onions, actually, the former England and Durham bowler, who once said he read a stat which said seventy-five percent of wickets fall to full deliveries, and so he, that's what he did, throughout his career looked to bowl full and brings all the possible dismissals into the equation, bold, LBW, court, etc. And I just feel it is a limited sort of a ploy. I mean, the reason why they do it, I think, is because they feel they can control the game. It's harder to, to score lots of runs with the ball being banged in short. There's an element of risk every time they, they play a shot uh, against a, a high ball. And they feel that, uh, as a result, they wear the, the batsman down and eventually they'll get them out. But you're right. But in fact, I think it was Maharaj when he first came in with that, without a, an orthodox slip with a man at sort of gully mm. and no other. He did edge one, catchable height, wide of the keeper, down to third man for a single. And if they'd had a slip in place there, that was a straightforward catch. So I think you do have to go orthodox. I sort of understand why England do it, but I don't really like it.
0: Yeah, and you can understand why they did it to Avira. Because uh, he'd been in for quite a yes. long time, and yeah. actually worked. I mean, it was uh, that was. A, I mean, that was an absolute snorter, snorter. of a delivery, yeah. Yeah. Bri- uh, brilliant from Ben Stokes, isn't it? Sort of roused himself. He got rid of Avia uh, uh, with that that bouncer, gloved, uh, looping catch to to Ben Stokes. I mean, that was sort of thrilling cricket, really. I mean, I think any pace bowler would, would presumably, Lord, like you tell me, would love a dismissal like that.
2: Well, you want to see the stumps cartwheeling, firstly, really. <laughs> and I. So that that dismissal yesterday, Johnny Bairstow. The Middle stump yeah, ripped out yeah. by Nokia was was a lovely sight for a bowler, but yeah, oh. obviously. Well, I, I think the the incredible thing is is when you think of a bowler like Stokes using all his might and strength to get one to lift up viciously at a, a batsman like that, and he, all he can do is fend it off. It it's admirable that, a, that the bowler is able to do that, actually, uh, especially someone like Stokes who's you know not a frontline bowler really, and it, it is a thrill. It's more thrilling to knock the poles out,
0: right? Oh, I, I I don't know. I, I, well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it is thrilling to to, to send them everywhere. I, there's there's some fast bowlers I've spoken to over the years. I think they they love the idea of a banks are getting a wicket. Anyway, whatever. We'll 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 part that uh, debate. I mean, Stokes today picked up three wickets. Uh, he he picked up three Anderson, Broad, and Potts one. I mean, it, it, there was a sort of like sort of almost taking it upon himself to try and drag England back into the match actually it looked at one stage as if he was going to do it and England it was 210 for six the game was right back in the balance Uh, you know it was a fascinating uh, passage of play Uh, but you know well played Janssen and well played Maharaj with Janssen we've touched on him already are we seeing the emergence of another star all-rounder for South Africa in our preview pod we talked about some of the all-rounders that they've had over the years really good cricketers does he look to have what it takes as well
2: absolutely i, I think he's exceptional and he looks so unflustered by the occasion now, i saw you know his first over was a couple down the leg side but first over at lords age 22 has only played a handful of test matches he looked totally not overawed by it and you know playing a bowling against the likes of joe root and so on knocked him over pretty much first time he bowled at him And uh, I I was interested to see how he batted because I thought, well, that's a brave step, sending him in at number six. But he didn't look Mm. uh, out of place. He he played uh, a nice, sensible innings with some more uh, adventurous stuff towards the end. Uh, He's he's as good as, if not probably better than, Cameron Green, who came into the, the Australian side a couple of years ago and came in with a great reputation and... It's so far, his bowling actually hasn't been that effective. His batting has been decent. And then, of course, there's Kyle Jameson, who came suddenly into the New Zealand side and was an absolute you know, innings wrecker with the ball. Uh, so those three together have all emerged into these, uh, these overseas teams, Australia, New Zealand and South Africa, and they're all excellent all-rounders. What England need is to find one of their own.
0: Yeah, they've they've got height, haven't they? As well, they've got a bit of pace, and they've got some style with the bat. I and mean, they are very they're quite different as as batters, um, but they yeah, they they play that attacking game, and it's a, it's a it's a beguiling package. Okay, Yoss, so South Africa on top after two days. Um, what chance do you give England getting out of this one? They've got out of four so far. What chance do you see them getting out uh, of this one?
2: Uh, not not high actually, because of the quality of the South African bowlers. Mm. I thought that, uh, it's, it's, so, it's a mugs game trying to make predictions, I thought mm. England would get, get 180 and bowl South Africa out for 200 today. Uh, there wasn't as much in the pitch and England weren't quite on it. Uh, so uh, as a result, South Africa got 124 lead. If they convert that to over 150, it's going to be a hard game for England to get back into. I think the pitch will play fine, but it'll be tough against that, that bowling attack. I mean, England to give it a good go but I sort of think it's tough for them to get out of it. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, But we've said that four times this summer, but you you feel somewhere along the line that, it, that they're not going to be able to come back again. I mean, there was a, a sort of run of Test cricket where once a team got on top, it's very difficult to shake their their grip on the match. And actually what England did uh, this summer is they sort of reversed that trend. But, well, it, it'll, it'll be fascinating if they do or even get close, actually, uh, in in this game. I mean, from here... Uh, I mean, if, if if you if you offered England setting South Africa two hundred to win, uh, you know, would you accept that from this position they're in? I would absolutely.
2: So that means England will get three fifty four hundred. I think they've done bloody well if they get that against this attack. And uh, I, 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 yeah, it, it's it's a tough one. I mean, it, it's a it's a, a South Africa eighty percent victory uh, chance now. I reckon. Talk, talking of victories, uh, and that we did have a competition last night for uh, the opportunity to win a bottle, a, a magnum, in fact, of Chapel Down Brute, which is an English sparkling wine, and it's very good. I've had some. In fact, I had some today, and it's it's extremely good. It's uh, they're the official sparkling wine supplier of the England team, and. We had quite a few replies to our quiz question. So do you want to just repeat the question, Simon?
0: Well, the, well, the question was, if England were to win this test match, which at the moment seems unlikely, uh, that would be their 100th victory in London. Now, no team has ever won 100 test matches in one city. So that's the Oval and Lords combined. there would be a 100th victory. So the... the What's the next the venue with the next most victories by a single team, and the answer to that question is yours.
2: Well, you tell me.
0: Well, it is Melbourne, and that is the answer to the question. So we, it was Australia in Melbourne is is the is the next sort of team that have won the most matches in one city. I actually asked the round today in in the box, and people are going, well, there are lots of grounds in Colombo, aren't there? Perhaps it's Perhaps it's Sri Lanka and it might be India in Mumbai. Someone said Sydney, but actually no, no one just sort of asking around came up with the correct answer, which is Melbourne. So uh, do we, did we have many winners? And if so, what is our, our tie-break winner?
2: Well, we did have quite a few winners, actually. Um, we had about seven or eight. Um, I'm just going to mention a couple uh, because uh, what we did was a tiebreaker. Uh, the best ten-word summation of the first day's play. Uh, so Neil Carter got the answer right, uh, Melbourne, John Williams and also James Wilson and also Cameron Petty uh, and he was uh, actually the first who got the, the answer right But uh, and his and his summation of the day's play was Pope Strong but England slayed by Protea's speed and control. Uh, it's a nice little summation. He is... Uh, from Nunda in Queensland, Australia. So the chances of being able to send him a bottle of British champagne are are negligible. So I'm going to send him a book instead. Uh, And so the winner with the best, I think, summation is James Wilson, who got the answer right, Melbourne. And he added his summation was, of the first day's play, Stokes' shot selection spearheads South Africa's strong start. (laughs) Sigh.
0: Fair enough. Okay. well, well done to uh, James Wilson uh, for that, and and well done to everyone who who took part.
2: Yeah, thank you for your answers. We'll have another magnum of Chapel Down Brute available uh, during this test match to win uh, after you uh, answer a a question that will set you. But in the meantime, that bottle is on its way to James Wilson. Well done. So I think that's it for today. Um, What do England do now? Pray for rain, maybe.